When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, we're back. And color-coordinated today, Nate Bauer in blue, Thomas Frank Carr in the uh, dusty rose here on the show today. Ooh. It's it, uh, it's pink. It's allowed to be pink. Uh, I love happy... dusty rose. <laughs> love it. Happy welcome back to the show, Nate. Been off for a couple weeks, been out exploring the world. Uh, do you come back a rested and recovered Nate Bauer? Yeah, I feel, I feel great. I actually, um, I was back last week for thursday and friday and then immediately went back to uh new york for a friend's baby shower so i've just been uh all over the world i was at a, a golf tournament in lancaster on monday like it's were weird. you like a celebrity at the golf tournament uh not in any way not in any capacity <laughs> okay uh, it was it was uh people who apparently were not interested in penn state football but, oh um, no! Did you have other I know. topics to talk about? <laughs> I know. Uh, golf. You know, we landed on okay. golf. It was it was fitting for the occasion. <laughs> but uh, no, as a, as a parent of two kids, to have uh, I mean, I feel like I've really shirked a lot of responsibilities over the last two weeks. But I'm back, taking my kids to daycare, doing all this, making dinner again. I'm I'm doing it. I'm back to being a a, a responsible human. And and back on the show to give us uh, your thoughts. I've been waiting to do the show for about a week and a half. I'm excited to dip into Sorry. these topics about. No, it's hey, this is the time to go on vacation. Uh, and and these stories aren't going anywhere. What we're talking about today, if you you haven't seen uh, the news, we're going to be talking about all the off field stuff with Penn State football uh, and Penn State athletics overall. The the facilities update that has been proposed and approved by the board of trustees and designed by Penn State Athletics under Pat Kraft. We're digging into all that today, including the Beaver Stadium renovation. Last time uh, Nate and I talked, we didn't really have a whole lot on the how everything was going to happen. We knew what they wanted to do. Now we've got the information. Nate has had uh, conversations with Pat Kraft on all of these topics, uh, or at least most of these topics. So we're going to get his thoughts and opinions on that today. But we're also going to get your uh, thoughts and opinions today as well. Xander here, he says morning. He's always here, one of our first in the chat. He's becoming quickly becoming one of the regular regulars here at this offseason. So Xander's with us. Uh, Brandon's with us as well. And uh, Ryan says happy hump day. Robert Bosfield in the chat as well. So if you've got thoughts on Penn State Beaver Stadium renovation, uh, if you've got thoughts on Jeffrey Field renovation, we're going to be talking about all of that today on the show. So please, uh, if you feel like it, donate to the channel with a super chat, but we'll be talking to you throughout the chat. And of course, subscribe here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel and hit the notification button so that you're here bright and early, 10 a.m. on Wednesday to talk about Penn State uh, sports. Not just Penn State football today, sports so the renovation schedule, but yeah. mostly football, but mostly, mostly football. That's where we're starting. We're going to start with Beaver Stadium, the renovation yeah. project that we talked about before. And uh, if you want to go check out our previous conversation about this, you can find that on our YouTube channel. 
But here is the proposed timeline, which is the new information. So, Nate, please break this down for us as far as what these uh, sections mean. And and are you serious, 2027? That's going to be the end date of this in 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 four years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so look like the A.E. selection means uh, architect and engineer. So they are okay. in the process. They've already sent out uh, the basically uh, it, it, there are other people who are far more knowledgeable about the the actual process of bidding out a project and how that all works than me. But I, I, this is my layman's understanding. They send it out to 10 of the top firms, right? So okay. companies that specialize in the stadium space uh, to basically say, hey, the uh, this is the project we're looking to do a $700 million renovation. We're, you know, uh, demoing the West stands in, in Beaver stadium uh, bid on the, like propose to us um, a plan, right? I, I'm not exactly sure like how far along the design has to be. It's more along the lines of this is a rough sketch of, uh, of a proposal. Okay. So, okay. They do. They get ten bids uh, from those different companies, and in June they will narrow those down and try to get. I think it goes to three, and then eventually one. And so they choose it. They'll they'll try to choose it by June, and from that point, there's a year of design. Can you go back to the graphics so I can actually? Sure. It just because I have sounded, to remember. It sounded a whole lot like. Uh... Uh, these are my top five schools. Uh, it, thanks to everyone exactly who's participated. So we're down to the top three schools. Uh, yep. Are they going to come out with an awesome graphic with the uh, neon and uh, transitions? Because I'd yeah, love to see have... that from Penn State Athletics. <laughs> Penn State's gonna gonna tweet it out with respect my decision when uh, <laughs> <laughs> when they find when they finally uh, land on you know. And this is like this is like super geek stuff, but I love it. Uh, it's, it's like the populace, right? Who, who knew yep. what populace was and, and people do know who populace was, but I'm just saying to the, to the normal person, uh, who isn't paying attention and isn't aware of that space, but these people do projects everywhere. They're doing all of the major stadiums. They do a ton of work. Penn State's worked with them previously. Um, y you know, and so you're, you're trying to figure out all of those, um, you're trying to narrow it down and, and land on one. And then from there, it's a year before they actually have like the plans. And so okay. all this stuff, like there's just, there's just a ton. If you could imagine it as just literally getting like the wheels in motion, it's creaking. It's, it's, it's starting to happen where yeah. they have, they've narrowed their focus. They know what project they want. They have to go out and do it. Um, and, and this is the, the, the very earliest stages of that process. Okay. Uh, so, the way it was described, and maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but I think this is an interesting point to, to interject this, is Penn State is not taking one study that they did from what you said, uh, from, what I, from what you could read over at bluewhiteillustrated.com of what Pat Kraft told you, is they kind of cherry-picked what they liked from different studies. So is this kind of a result of, hey, here are all the things we want that we picked. Now we need somebody to redesign with all of this in mind. And uh, and then we'll pick our favorite of that, because it seems like yeah. this is a second layer of didn't they just do this? Didn't they just get the plans they wanted 
Um, um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. No. So, so there were studies that were done. So uh, one thing, just a uh, Ryan Sheard, uh, it was an RFP. That's, that's what, that's what's out there right now is that RFP, the request for proposal. So uh, he sounds like he knows what's going on or at least how the process works. So Ryan, if you want to chime in with 20 more comments, that would be totally appropriate. Uh, <laughs> but, but in the meantime, they, there were three real options. The way that it kind of worked itself out was $1.5 billion for a new build stadium. Okay. Yep. Uh, $1.2 billion to completely renovate the stadium. So you're salvaging what you can, but for the most part, you're doing a complete stadium renovation. Mm. And ultimately what they landed on was $700 million for a, I'm, I mean, I'm going to call it a renovation, but it's, I, I just, I think that there's a little bit of the story that's getting lost here, which is to a person who's sitting inside Beaver stadium. The only thing that will look different is the West stands. And I'm not yeah. saying that that's nothing. That is a significant change. Yeah. Uh, the, the West stands will be torn down. The press box will be torn down and, and an entirely new structure will be built there. However, the south end zone, the decks, the north end zone, that deck, and the east stands and the east luxury suites will not change. Uh, there, there will, there might, they might get touched. There might be small improvements, and there's a ton of work that needs to be done there. But one of the reports and one of the things that was acknowledged through this process was there's like two hundred million dollars of backlog maintenance upgrade kind of stuff that that needs to be done this is like very unsexy stuff yeah. that has to be done to ensure the survival of the stadium and so uh like i said i i actually i just had an interview with james franklin yesterday and he brought it up he was like <coughs> excuse me he said you're at the point where if you don't do something you're you're still at a stage where you have a choice where you still where you still can have some level of agency over how you do this, when you do it, what you do, but there's going to come a point where you you don't have that anymore because the stadium right. is that old. It I, I brought this up. I think I brought this up here at one point that there's steel in there from the 1930s, <laughs> right? Like the, right. this is a this is a very like. As constructed, it's a 63-year-old building, yeah. but that was a, a stadium that was moved from its prior location. And so there were elements of that that I mean it's just it's just kind of wild when you think about what that stadium really is. Uh it's not gonna fall down. It's not right, that's <laughs> not the issue. Right. I know people took objections to that previously, but it it is in a state of you need to do wide-ranging uh you know improvements that i think will be addressed like some of them will be addressed they're going to widen the concourses they're going to make it easier to get up and down to higher levels of the stadium but on its face this is really a 700 million dollar project to to install a luxury suite like a box that includes the press box with, mm -hmm. with a ton of luxury amenities and then a redo of the west stands yeah is there and of course the concourse and all the other things that we talked about are part of that but it sounds like you know the the full renovation versus 
you know, the bells and whistles. It seems like Penn State tried to take a very economical approach to this and take what they absolutely needed because the the cost of construction and the cost cost of materials. Uh, you know, not that this is an economics podcast, but like, yeah, you don't have to be a genius to know, wow, things are way more expensive than when you originally built Beaver Stadium. Yep. Things like inflation has caused uh, and the cost of materials makes it so, as Ryan says here in, in the chat, maintaining structures costs a lot of money. People don't take account into that as well. He referring to what you said about the $200 million in deferred maintenance that they need to do. Yep. So you you can't sink all of this into a shiny new building when you also have to upkeep that building and you know pay for all the other surrounding things around it. So do you think that this is what's your evaluation of the plan? Like what do you think about this? I think that that some people are going to be disappointed by it, but I don't think that I I'm not sure that that's relevant. I I, I don't know. I mean it's just it's all very interesting to me because there, there were to to me. I see a one point five billion dollar new build as being the best option long term. Mm-hmm. I don't think financially it was ever really very feasible, and I think that they know that. I, I think that it yeah. was a combination of it, it, it's it, it's so complex. There's so many different layers to this, but one. You have a you have a stadium that is considered one of the best atmospheres in college football, like just front and center. Yep. Do you want to tear that down? Do you want to not have that anymore? Do you want to take your gamble on something new? No, like instinctively, no, you don't want to do that. Uh, can can you pay for a one point five billion dollar new stadium? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you can't. You, you, and what's the difference you, between one point three and one point five if you're doing a full renovation? Like it's the, like the difference is almost immaterial at that point. Correct. Correct. And so it's ultimately they landed on and and I'm not in a position to. I, I don't really have a strong opinion on it other than I do think some people will be disappointed that it's not more comprehensive. Ultimately, right. that seven hundred million dollars does not get you what you think it gets you. Yeah. And I think some people will love the fact that it won't look any different, like the the familiarity and the the ambiance, whether it has any or not, it has a distinct feel when you walk into Beaver Stadium. Um, we'll see what happens when you put in a luxury suite and you take out some capacity, which is a part of the plan. But it, like you said, it likely won't change all that much. To uh, to Paul Paul's comment in the the comments, um, yes, escalators, elevators, ramps. There there, there will be. Uh, they, they call it vertical transportation in the the document, the proposal document. But yeah, yes, ADA compliant, it, trying to get everything to be compliant with modern regulations and standards. Right. I mean, think 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 about how we enter the state. Right. We come through the the media uh, gate, and there are fans that also come in through that gate. Yeah. Uh, to to ride an elevator that fits maybe fifteen people. There's two elevators behind the west stands maybe each fit 15 people there. Like there's no other way to get up there. If you like, if you're, if you're way up high in the West stands, you have two choices. You can either, um, you can either do the stands, like you can walk the stands or you could take that elevator. I mean, there's just, there's just not a lot of good ways um, to, to get up in the stadium. And I think that that's one of the things that's going to be addressed. Uh, active chat today. People are, are engaged Love with it. Beaver Stadium renovation. Love it. Hey, 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 Nate, 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 Nate. Kevin is here to say something, 
Uh, so you can't put it on either of us. Kevin says Beaver Stadium is a charming dump. This renovation way overdue. So Nate and I didn't say this. This is not this is not an opinion of the show. This is opinion from Kevin in the chat who gave us a super chat. Appreciate his thoughts and his opinions here. Uh, but this time around, if people are getting mad in the comments on replay on the YouTube channel, first off, appreciate your engagement, but you can uh, tell Kevin how you feel instead of me or Nate. Brandon says he's worked in construction for years since high school maintenance. Work is expensive, especially been neglected over the years. People don't realize how important maintenance work is. So these are all the things coming in to this big old project that we have to take into consideration as well. I hate this part because this is when I want to do a thing or or purchase something for my house, it's the it's the added costs, right? And I always ignore the added costs and then I realize, "Oh, the deal I got is not the deal I thought I got." So Brandon yep. keeping that front of mind for everybody. Do the do the next one too because that this is the Carm 92. This is this is the response. This is the the thing that people are going to resent. They're going to be disappointed because their section will have not been improved and really yeah it's even the bent of why this is being done what how this has been prioritized is going to be a little controversial yeah it is a luxury focused improvement because it's how it's it is the untapped area of the stadium to create revenue Right. It, it just you're missing out like it's it's almost like lost dollars that you could be making, but you don't because you don't have those facilities. Now you're going to sell those facilities and you're going to have this opportunity to raise more funds that ultimately may open the door to bigger and other renovations of things that need to be touched throughout the rest of the stadium. The east side, all, all of those different sections. But on the front end of it, it's. Hey, we're we're gonna invest a, a decent chunk of change, a, a really high chunk of change, to to uh, to ensure that there are luxury suites and to ensure that there are premium chairback seats for, yeah. um, y- you know, the, which again, it's it's understanding the demographic, understand, you know, are you gonna sell those season tickets at a higher price point to a higher uh, a different demographic? than the rest of the stadium. I don't know. I mean, but certainly there's research that I think Penn state feels confident that that's something that can be done. And, and essentially something that has to be done. Otherwise, none of the, none of the other stuff is possible. Yeah. You got to get through this hard part to get to the part where maybe things get a little bit easier. It sounds another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, we're going to take a quick break from the talk on the stadium to talk about our sponsor of today's show, and that is rogueshop.com rogueshop.com is a premium cannabis dispensary in wisconsin they have been a sponsor here on the show for quite a while now they are one of the longest tenured sponsors on the bwi live show we appreciate them so much for what they do not just for the show but also for us individually i know that uh, you know for me i never used cannabis in my life never smoked never uh, had any edibles or anything like that so i came into this whole thing a little bit like 
what do we do here? Am, am I allowed to be, do you know, when something's like you're, you're an adult for the first time, you're like, am I allowed to be doing this? And now it's legal and, and, and you're like, you're allowed to be doing this. So I had to be walked through the whole process is what I'm trying to say. I didn't know anything about anything. And Char and uh, Richard, Mr. Rogue over, if you want to talk to him at the Blue White Illustrated message board, he is a member of the message board so he can talk you through stuff like this. He uh, puts up promotions on the site as well when he has a 420 promotion or an Easter promotion or Christmas promotion, whatever they got, they let you know over at Blue White Illustrated on the Lion's Den message forum. But what they are, holistic type of small business. They uh, want to help you with your issues in your life that, you know, you supplement Western medicine. So you have chronic pain, you know, find out the source of the chronic pain. But while you're going through that, they can help with pain management, inflammation. Um, if you have a hard time sleeping, they have tinctures, oils, massage oils, and more, all these things uh, in different ways to ingest CBD and THC. I've taken the gummies before. Um, you need to take them like medicine. You can't just play around with them. Uh, I made a mistake like that once, and it was an interesting evening. It, just like any other medicine, you got to respect it. So they give you instructions on how to take stuff and, uh, and what the best outcome is for you to help dial in your dosage. But the best part here that I just put away and I'll come back up to, Blue White Illustrated. Use the promo code BWI for 10% off at rogueshop.com. Tell them T. Frank sent you, and uh, you'll help. Uh, you'll, you'll find a way to live a better, more uh, stress-free, easy life with rogueshop.com. Nate, the uh, the broader context of these, what? Nothing, nothing. I just love it. I love the transition. <laughs> you it's love my, my expert transition? Yeah. Because so I didn't good. know if we were done. Were we done with the conversation on the stadium? Was there anything more to I mean, dig there? We didn't even talk about the rest of the schedule. That uh, M-Rob makes a great point about the tentative deadlines. This is, yeah. this is what they're yeah, shooting yeah. for. They're shooting for this to be ready in five years, right? So five seasons from now, ahead of the fifth season, for the 2027 season, they want construction to be done. Um, so that, like, it's just, people want designs and people people have asked me for drawings and, and different, like, they're just, they're not remotely close to that. They have some ideas. There are things that they'd like to implement, but really this design start date for, for June, 2023, when they select somebody is when that process is actually going to start. And then as you see pre-construction, there's, there's so much again, unsexy stuff, uh, wires, <laughs> like, like, uh, it's stuff, it's stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sound foolish to even talk about it, but <laughs> I love like, that you just say wires and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, all of that stuff that you see by the side of the road, it's like, uh, PVC piping looking stuff, right. You, and yeah. you're just like, what do you, what do you do with that stuff? Like, what is that? Uh, that's all the stuff that is going to also happen and will be put into place and, and, you know, they're just they're going to get that process started so uh and it to, to your what you said earlier about m rob saying as a fed contractor official those deadlines are tentative i wouldn't be surprised if the project this size and scope misses deadline after deadline that's a great point and let me ask you another question maybe m rob can answer this maybe we can have this conversation here um I, I don't always bring in my love of the buffalo bills but i do when it's relevant and the bills are building a new stadium they're building a brand new stadium from the ground up 
uh, its completion date is 2026, and they're starting. So, so why is Penn State's timeline so much longer? Is it literally just money? Like, if you can pay to have things happen on a priority schedule, or is there some other reason? Is it renovation? Why is this timeline five years and a brand new 1.5 billion dollar stadium? is going up much quicker. Like it's supposed to be done a year before this one is completed and they're starting uh, construction in 2025, according to our schedule. So what's, what's the answer there? Why when that? does, when does, I, well, my April 2023 instinct... is the construction start date. Is it? So it's supposed to have started okay. already. And but, June is when the major construction starts, but there would have been a design process for that. That started years earlier, or okay. at least, at least 12, I mean, I, I, right. And, and not to mention the fact that you're dealing with there's, there's all kinds of webs to weave on this, right? Is the state going to be involved? Bottom line is, is are, are state funds going to be appropriated towards this? Maybe, uh, mm -hmm. right. It, I, certainly that's something that Penn state hopes it comes to fruition because they see it as an asset, not just to Penn state university, but to certainly the state college community and the state as a whole, right? You're, you're, you have this facility that brings most of the state together or a large chunk of the state together. Um, so, so that's a part of it. And then there's, there's bottom again, bureaucracy, right? <laughs> like you, right. you just have all of these steps, things that have to be cleared, um, it's not as simple or as straightforward as a private owner, Terry Gula, deciding, hey, this is something that we're going to do and we're ramming it through with or without the help of New York State. So, I, yeah, I, I think that, to be honest, I think five years is probably the expedited okay. version of this. Gotcha. Um, Steven asks, uh, how is this going to help in the winter and the new playoff format, which is coming, uh, I think, in 2024? So does this provide benefits there as well? Maybe an additional home game if you get that? Yes. So this uh, the winterization stuff is part of the initial $70 million. So $29 million, I believe, I think I have that right, is toward winterization right off the bat. Uh, it's getting it to a place where if they had to host a playoff game in December, they could, they could do that. I mean, there's just, okay. there's, it's just, it's, it's funny because it sounds, it sounds uh, hyperbolic that you're, you're really just overplaying your hand a little bit, but it, it's, it's not, I, I just, all of the feedback and the input that I get, everything that I'm, I'm, saying here is reflected in conversations that I'm having. It was there in the meeting itself, the board of trustees meeting. These, these are like fundamental shortcomings of the stadium as it presently exists. It wasn't designed for this type of usage, the things right. that, they, that are, are modern at this point and what they, what they'd like to do moving forward. I mean, refrigeration, th things that you don't think about concession stands, not, not just concession stands of, Hey, how easy is it for me to get my hot dog? It's, Hey, can we cook the hot dogs? Do, do we have a mechanism, right? Like, Oh, you want expanded food offerings? They, they can't cook it there. They don't, they don't have the space. There's no kitchen space. All, all of this behind the house stuff <laughs> has to be addressed. And they're finally doing it. Steel built in the 1930s and before the great invention of refrigeration. 
it's oh, it's wild. Marvel of modern industrial context and blah blah blah. They uh, spent they spent like terrible. seven they spent about seven million dollars on freezers recently uh-huh. like within the last couple of years. That that's how, that's what it costs. <laughs> that's what it costs to have that. Is yeah. It, like, it, oh, you want a freezer? There it is. So anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah, I, we, I do want to get to a couple of other things on the show today uh, because it's not just Beaver Stadium. Like, we can still have the conversation throughout the show about Beaver Stadium. You got yeah. more questions, you can throw them in the chat. But that's not uh, – folks, that's not all. Here's yeah. the list of things that they're doing uh, with Pat Kraft's leadership right now. Green uh, Greenberg Indoor Sports Center training table, Jeffrey Field Soccer Complex, Penn State East Area Locker Room Renovations, Lash Building Renovation Phase 2, and the Penn State Indoor uh, Air practice bubble so for all of you that are listening on the podcast version there's a long list of things on the screen right now that that they're also trying to do in conjunction with this so can you break down what all of that means um start with and i think i'm most interested in the green door uh greenberg indoor training table is this is this basically a dining commons just for athletes correct correct and so you have better control over the food, I, I believe there's there will be other facilities there to go along with that dining commons. But it's yes, it is. OK, the food will be served in house now, but it's it is meant to serve all, all of Penn State student athletes. So if you know, if you're housed in East Area Locker, but I, I don't want to be disingenuous about this. This is about football. This yeah. is about football having its dining commons in its building. So yeah. yes, it will serve the other sports. There will be opportunities for the other sports to also feed their student athletes, but it is a massive win for Penn state football to be able to say, Hey, uh, yes, our, all of this stuff is in one spot. So if you're a Penn state football player, you're one-stop shopping. You don't have to go over to Pollock dining commons. You don't have to go all over the place to get your food. And more important, I think, is the element of, hey, these are college kids. They eat unhealthy all the time. They, yeah. they, it, they eat what's most convenient. Their schedules are so packed that it doesn't create time for that. Um, n- nutrition is so far advanced, right? We know things now about what yeah. you're eating. They can, they can tailor make uh, a diet plan and the food for every single player and provide that to them three meals a day, four meals, right? Snacks, all all that other stuff. So it's, it's a massive, massive win for Penn state football to, to, to have that project. And that's something that I think is the construction and completion date for that is 2025. I want to say it should be open by 2025. So they're going to move, they're going to move pretty quickly on that one. Yeah, and again, that's that's the the science of athleticism and athletics that we talk about that has advanced where you you know so much more about how to program and how to hack the human metabolism yep. and and it, so this is the other half of the stuff that I love that so you know my wife is yep. a personal trainer and we have these conversations about you know eating and and timing of when you get your protein and. Um, you know, how it affects your sleep as well. All of these things are interconnected. And just because you have the information doesn't mean you have the implementation. And this is a huge recruiting thing. Because if you want to be the very best of the best, you've got to have access to all of these these things 
in order to advance your own physiological gains. I mean, it's it's all about the the ability to perform on the field. And these are the, the tendrils. These are the things that go out from that. It's not just about what happens between the lines. It's how you prepare everything in your life for that moment, which is why football is so intense because it's like, uh, total tangent here. We, we were watching CrossFit one time on ESPN, and my wife used to be a, like really big into CrossFit. Uh, and I said, oh, this is what football players do before they actually learn the skill to actually play a game. So you've got to be an expert in nutrition, sleep, science, athleticism, lifting, and then your position to be good at football. And making that as easy as possible is the goal of all of that. And I, I think it's just to go on a long tangent about it, like that I want to underscore how important nutrition is in this conversation. Michael's comment there about total development is just, it, it sums it up perfectly. The, the, the front facing argument, the, 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 and really, I think the only thing that matters is, okay, you're investing 80 to a hundred million dollars a year in, in football, right? This, it's this massive operation. It, it funds everything. It is the total engine of Penn state sports and economics uh, in a lot of ways and including this area. Why are you going to not do everything that you possibly can do to maximize performance? Yeah. And that is all encompassing. It, 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 it's yes, we're talking about food right now, but people made fun of me and, and, you know, took issue with bringing up single occupancy dorm rooms. It's a huge deal. It, it yeah. is one of all of these pieces of why are you going to skimp on having players get a good night's rest because they're not sleeping next to a teammate who snores. And also uh, something that I never thought of because I am five, nine and a half. I fit in the beds. Like Correct. these athletes are six, six. They need an actual different bed than what the university students sleep on the standard issue ones. That's Correct. another thing like for especially basketball that we don't ever consider. But in your daily life, if your ankles don't fit on your bed, that's a problem. Uh, especially, you know, for freshmen and people that are that are living on campus for the first couple of years. Yep. I, just ensuring that you're doing and it, it's not about whether or not it's extravagant. You know, it, it's not. It's not. <laughs> if, you're, if you look on the return on investment, you should say to yourself, OK, is it a reasonable expense to make sure that the mattresses that we use are conducive to better sleep? that's there's a science to that they can they can figure that stuff out Dak Prescott tells me every Sunday during the NFL season about a sleep number bed I mean you it's it's a science everything's I don't I don't know if I don't know what brand it is I don't know how uh, there are experts for all of that stuff I I would just say yes this is this is what has been talked about throughout that I think is starting to connect I think that it's starting to resonate with the broader public of hey this is this is what has to be done, and this nutrition center is a, a big part of that. And Pat Kraft, especially, understands that. Uh, you know, I can't afford a ten thousand dollar bed like Dak Prescott. So what I do is occasionally I take a Rogue Shop Delta gummy, and then I fall. Asleep. There you go. So that's there you that. go. Uh, the next thing I think that's interesting that we should bring up here is uh, the indoor practice yep. bubble, the air yep. bubble. This is not only fascinating, but also 
another huge thread of Penn State football taking an advance, even though they won't be using the practice bubble. So explain explain the bubble to us. So so I'm going to explain the bubble by explaining Haluba Hall. And my favorite my, ex- my explanation of Haluba Hall is that it is a packed building in mm-hmm. the winter months. It is constantly used. It's it's constantly occupied, not just by Penn State football. And that is problematic. It is. Uh, it, it You want to be able to provide the facilities to play football, seven on seven, whatever. Uh, whatever the climate is, whatever's going on outside, you want to be able to ensure that your Penn State football players have access to an indoor football complex, uh, the, the fields that, that is there. Um, I, I remember a few years ago after a Penn State pro day, everyone was kind of hurried out of the building because softball had practice, right? And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. There's that's softball needs a place to practice. Softball needs a facility that it can that it can train indoors. Um, but that was a little bit of an eye opener in terms of hey, uh, lacrosse is using this, rugby uses this, golf. Right. There's like there's golf in. And it's funny when you when you when you and I go to uh, a press conference, even in season. You you look around and and every once in a while you see a stray baseball yeah. or you see a stray whatever lacrosse ball. You, you just see these di- this different sports equipment, which, again, is is OK. But it, of for a university of this size, for an athletic department of this size, when you have 31 sports to accommodate, you need at least two indoor practice facilities, and this creates that opportunity. So it's not like this is, again, a win for Penn State football by creating a second indoor for the inclement months, for the the basically the winter, because it will come down in the summer. They don't intend it to keep it up year-round. It, it provides that second space so that football can become, or Luba Hall, I should say, can become a football exclusive building. Uh, again, huge, huge win for Penn State football to have this project in particular with that nutrition facility uh, in the works and and starting to get going. So the uh, couple other things, you know, I think we've talked in, and Pat Kraft has made very clear that Jeffrey Field needs to have a locker room uh, and yeah. they need to build Plumbing. that facility. Plumbing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't need to get into all of the things here on the list, but the you know the the expansive um, list that we just gave you on top of the Beaver Stadium renovations. Uh, how is all of this fitting into the budget? If we're if you don't have the money to do the full renovation of the stadium, like is this how is this working, and and how is this a part of the bigger picture? I, I don't know, and I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but I, really, how much is it costing? Yeah. That's all I wanted. Yeah. That's no, I wanted it, to get out of you. It's going to cost $160 million to do, to do. So $160 million includes $70 million for the first phase of Beaver stadium. So this is just, again, this, the very first baby steps of a $700 million project. So the first ask of that was for $70 million, which leaves $90 million for all for these six or five other projects, um, including $22 million for, the second level of the lash building, which is just, I walked through it yesterday. It's, it's outdated. It hasn't been touched there. These offices, um, they they just, the coaches need new spaces. They need better, more collaborative spaces. Again, that was something that was talked about in the board of trustees meeting. 
is it's just not conducive to today's today's college football. And so mm-hmm. this is a building that was at one point state of the art and not a lot has been done to it. It was, it was fascinating um, and not something that I didn't know, but was just interesting to hear someone say it a, a big part of the $22 million that they're intending to spend on this second floor renovation. is going to go to HVAC. Just to be able to be in the building. To, 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 to improve air circulation yeah. because it hasn't been touched in 30 years. They haven't, they haven't changed the thermostats. And th- right? so you've got to, you've got all of these underlying things that have just had been ignored or kicked down the road a little bit and it's, it's catching up. And now they're, they're saying, okay, well, you know, this isn't, this isn't a pleasant pill necessarily, but it's one that you have to take. And I cannot stress this enough. Everything's going to cost more 10 years from now. And today is the environment to to demonstrate that because 10 years ago, if most of the stuff had been addressed on the front end, they wouldn't be facing a lot of these, a lot of these costs, a lot of the things that they're seeing right now. So, so it's about allocating money and you've got people who are paid much higher than I am to figure that stuff out. And so that's the the responsibility that they have right now moving forward, how to pay for it and how to allocate it. As always, we get into having a great conversation. Time gets away from us. we got a couple of topics we need to get to before the end of the show. And we obviously yep. have to get to the mailbag. So if you've got questions, Beaver Stadium re- renovations or not, whatever is on your mind, the mailbag show at the end of uh, the BWI Live is always for you people that are watching here on the show. And, of course, from the Lions Den message form. So we got to get to that. Uh, but let's yep. talk about the man of the hour. We've been talking about all these plans and the guy pushing all of this and, uh, you know, kind of creating this master plan is Pat Kraft and Penn State's new athletic director. Not a year into the job yet, but, you know, significantly through that first year, he had a a very uh, positive and I would I don't want to say bold, but cocky, confident uh, outlook that Penn State could compete in 31 sports, be successful in football and basketball, pour resources in there, and still be competitive in everything. Keep the model the way it is. Do you think that so far he's delivering on that? Yes, I, I think it's I think it's early, right? We're not going to know how successful some of these projects are for years. I mean. It's it's just interesting because ultimately I see it as who can who can win support and I think Sandy Barber is a very smart woman I think she gets all of it I think she understands all of these different um, elements of how to make things work she understands college athletics. I don't think if there if there was a failing, if there was a shortcoming, it was her ability, I think, to get people on board with the vision, to get people to understand what it takes to to and to be enthusiastic about it, to 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 say, hey, like guys, this is critical. This stuff needs to be done. Do we want to compete? Do we want to be successful? How successful do we want to be? Um, if if you're okay with just ah, well, there's a line and we're not willing to cross it. Uh, and that line comes well short of what everybody else is doing in the marketplace. You're, you're gonna, that's, that's your ceiling. 
you're not gonna you're not gonna do better than that. Um, and I and I I think that over the last ten years, and certainly before that, a bit of a culture was established at Penn State of hey, we don't have to do it the way that everybody else does it. We're we're gonna do it responsibly and effectively and with not... the sheer force of character. Correct. <laughs> but, but, like yeah. Correct. And, and you know, the weird thing is, Nate, it's worked like for football. They've been in the top 10 for the last six years. You know, it's routinely in the top 10, top 15. It's the it is the. It is all about perception, right? Because if you're on the inside, if you're James Franklin, if you're his staff, if you're people in that building and you know what's going on outside, you're saying right now we've outperformed resources we've yeah. outperformed the standard that you see from everyone else uh and so i think that now with pat craft like kind of looping this back around with pat craft it's it's he's saying the same stuff it's that people are starting to buy in people are right people like right. believe him more or whatever it is and, and that's right i mean i can't I'm not in a position to say, oh, well, he's more effective about it or why people are coming around to these notions. Maybe it's like gun against the head time of, oh, man, we're staring this in the face of losing relevancy or losing the ability to compete. And his messaging for that is getting across more clearly. I I don't know. But I would just say that that's that's what's going on right now is for all of the hand wringing uh, of you know, Sandy Barber was, um, you know, fiscally irresponsible at Cal. That was, that was kind of the, I remember hung around her neck for no, yeah. really like for things that were beyond her control. Pat Kraft just proposed, uh, close to a seven, billion dollars, right? So yeah, 700 I mean, million eight, plus everything else here. It basically eight, $800 million in projects, yeah. right? Like, I, uh, <laughs> Hey, but also, it's needed that we, yeah. we know this, we, we can look across the landscape of college athletics and see what's needed and what's not. And this is needed. This is stuff that's needed for Penn state athletics. He's proposed it. And uh, at least on the front end, he just got $160 million approved and moved through from the board of trustees. Rob, uh, I think nutshells it well. It's the ability to sell and monetize that political capital. And the political part of that there are probably a six or seven shows deep of political intrigue that you know we won't be getting to here on the show, but are absolutely for real in the what happened to Penn State over the last decade. So I I just think it is it is noticeable it is noticeable that he gets hired he says these things at the start of his press conference and then here we are in uh, May of the next year you know not twelve months removed. And there are things happening. Yep. You know, it, 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 we talk a lot. Like, obviously, on the show, we talk a lot. But things actually happening, that's that's something different. You know, when there, people talk versus what they do. I, I have to point this out because it was so striking. But there were comments during the, the Board of Trustees meeting that Brandon Short actually responded to uh, about, why, why didn't we do this sooner? Like, thank you for finally moving on this. To, to Pat Kraft, thank, thank you for finally moving on this. And Brandon Short spoke up and he said, hey, Sandy wanted to do this stuff. Sandy would have liked to have done th- these things, but knew that she didn't have the support. 
And so it yeah. wasn't even it wasn't even brought up in a meeting because those things would have been shot down. Um, so, you know, look, it it costs so much more to do this now than it did five years ago, than it did 10 years ago. Penn State, if a lesson is learned or if a lesson is being enacted right now is, hey, if you don't do this stuff, it doesn't it it's not saving you money. It's, right. You want to be prudent. You want to make sure that you're spending it in the right ways, that you're not blowing this money on nothing. Absolutely. But also, if you can recognize that these are essential and critical to your ability to perform and to compete in this space, you got to do it. And the yeah. sooner you do it, actually, the more fiscally responsible it is. Truly. Uh, are you good hanging out for a little bit longer than because we got to get to the mailbag and there's a couple other things you want to get I'm all to. yours, buddy. I'm all okay. yours. I, I owe so, you this. Here are yeah we we got a, we got about a show and a half of stuff to get through and I I tend to pack stuff in on the rundown but I want to also make sure that we're not going too long for everybody but here's the the other part of this that came out this week are game times and game themes and really what this is all about is September 23rd versus Iowa is the whiteout and not November 11th against Michigan West Virginia the helmet stripe game if that's interesting to you Spirit Day. Uh, the stripe out, the white out, the helmet stripe game, all these different game themes. But West Virginia and Iowa primetime games, Iowa the whiteout yep. game. Um, is it? This is something I asked. We talked about on on the show when this first came out, and I, I gave my opinion of. I think it's worth the trade that you don't have Michigan whiteout for the fact that you are a part of the big noon kick, which is the prime slot. You are a relevant franchise in the television market. They want eyeballs on your program, which increases your relevance year over year, even if it's just keeping pace with the rest of, of college football. Because if you weren't in that slot, you would be backsliding out of the top three in the Big Ten. Yep. So do you agree with that? Is that worth the trade-off of not having the primetime whiteout against your top team on the schedule and does it like does that matter to you in the long run of all these tv decisions versus the the tradition and and the the pageantry of it all i i wouldn't i like i wouldn't say that i feel strongly necessarily about any of it other than i i do have an inclination towards making the whiteout annually a game that you can win I, like I, I do like, I don't think it's as, um, or, or feel good about winning something that can differentiate. And yes, in the past you have had Ohio state and Michigan traditionally be these whiteout games just about every year. Yeah. Fox, the Fox contract changed that. Okay. Is, is a whiteout as effective as a day game, which it likely is going to be for either one of those games every other year. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's the same thing. Yeah, I think that, that the, the spectacle of the whiteout game is best served as a night game. And it it's the most photogenic. It looks awesome. It, it's super cool. And you're already juiced up for Ohio State and Michigan. Like there's yeah. no, everyone is coming to that game. You've got a sold out crowd. All of that stuff uh, is already there for you. That if you, change the perception a little bit and say, okay, we can attach this to a game that might not be the hardest game, the hardest home home game on the schedule, but yeah. it's just a, a tier a little bit below that. I think it works. I think yeah. it works. I, I like I don't have any issue with uh Penn State just 
clobbering Minnesota for a night game last year. Like I thought right. that was, that was good for Penn state. Uh, if, if Iowa who has given Penn state fits at times in this series over the last 10 years, if this is the differentiator and you have it for an eight o'clock game, do it. Yeah. It's a great idea. I, I have no issue with that at all. Yeah. I agree. I think that you you have the built-in juice for that game. And um, you're... the only downside I would say is that the amplification factor, and I'm, I'm looking at this not as a on-the-field win-loss thing. I'm looking at this as relevancy and the spectacle. And nothing creates a bigger spectacle than the biggest spectacle, which is your top opponent, primetime, whiteout. That yep. is like the the three tiers of something that can create it. You know the 2016 game uh, against yep. Ohio State, uh, yep. this this memorable game. But you know, as you pointed out, how many times are you doing that anyway? How many times are you winning that game and it's it looks the way it's supposed to in whiteout primetime, all that stuff? It hasn't you're happened not gonna, frequently. You're not gonna get that game though in an eight o'clock time spot. It's not right. gonna happen anymore. That's it. Like I'm. You know, I'd love to, like, oh, well, maybe Fox will change their mind. They're not going to. They've decided on this. This is the way it's going to be for the next five, six years. Uh, so then the other two things that came out, uh, the primetime game, West Virginia 730, Iowa, that is an 8 p.m. game. West Virginia, the helmet stripe game, which as somebody pointed out to me this week, is basically just a whiteout with a blue stripe. So mm-hmm. you sneak it in two whiteout games. And you you uh, you took a look at West Virginia. You have a, a, some early thoughts on the Mountaineers. Yeah, I uh, I thought it would just be fun with the announcement of of West Virginia and the themes of the game to give you an idea. Hey, w- what kind of team are they playing? So I went through their offense and I looked at kind of the architecture of it is the way I like to say it. Like, what are they trying to build every every game? What is their offensive style? What are the unique features in it within kind of these general uh, subsets of what type of offense and what type of running game and passing game. And it was just an interesting uh, preliminary advanced scouting sort of thing on the Mountaineers. And my major takeaway is they are a boilerplate spread offense. There is not a whole lot interesting or unique about what they do. <laughs> the uh, so, who you, so who you got? Um, so I haven't really gone into the player part of that yet because obviously players can make any scheme great. Um, but I would say Penn state, you know, like here, here, here's the, here's the thing. Some of the stuff, and you can read all this at blueillustrated.com. Um, if you are running a spread offense and you're using heavy amounts of screening, like you're throwing wide receiver bubble screens and stuff like that, it means that your running game isn't very good because the spread offense is supposed to help with that, help with your traditional running game. If you are then throwing additional screens on top of that, it means you're not getting what you need between the trenches because spreading out the field, literally the spread offense, three receivers, sometimes four receivers going 10 personnel and running the football is supposed to lighten the box load and help you run efficiently without having dominant players. And then from a passing perspective, um, some of the some of the newer augmentations off of this even further de-emphasize the quarterback. Think about Penn State in 2021 and how many bubble screens they threw to Jahan Dotson. Why were they throwing so many bubble screens, Nate? Uh, Because they couldn't run the ball. Because they couldn't run the football. So they needed to find a different way to spread the field out. Um, And and Nailed it. 
West Virginia likes to run this, I call it the stop and go, where you're running short routes or you're going deep. Like that's their vertical passing game and then the underneath stuff. And that's kind of it. So from a from a perspective there, it's it's basically just I don't want to say paint by numbers like it's anyone can do it, but that's kind of the idea is it's supposed to de-emphasize talent and emphasize the scheme. And when I see that, like that tells me something, context clues about the, the level of talent on the team. And Penn State clearly on defense has a extreme level of talent and they face teams like this on a regular basis. So we'll get into the players and how they make all these things work later. But uh, that's kind of the basic tenets of, of what they are. Spread offense. The most unique thing is they like to run outside zone. Like they are a pure inside-outside zone team for the most part. They do run some other stuff in there. You can't be pure like 100%. But they are they use outside zone, I think, more than than some of the spread teams you've seen um over the years where it's it's all kind of inside the tackles and then the outside running is just the quarterback on the option. So that's kind of a, a overview of the interesting parts of what they are. We do Love. have to get to the nail bag the mailbag nail. because Let's I want to make it. sure we get uh to people's thoughts on the show <clears throat> and I don't want to keep everyone here all day long, even though I'm thoroughly enjoying the show. So let's get to the other side of Pat Kraft's job, which we didn't touch on in the first half of this show, or the first 75 to 95% of the show. This comes from Penn State 2012. Nate, you are the NIL expert Ugh. here at Blue White Illustrated. Any updates or improvements on the NIL front? Like A lot of information and resources and time has been devoted to the other side. Um, I'm sure bluewhiteillustrated.com, you're going to get the, the inside scoop from Nate. you got to pay for that, $29.99 for six months. Great deal right now. But it, can you hint at or is there any nugget of NIL that you've found recently you could share with us here on the show? They're working on it. They're working on it. They're out. They're, they're, uh, they're engaging right now. The, there was actually just an event in New York City, um, not last night, two nights ago, Monday night. So... Yeah, uh, uh, updates or improvements, steady improvement, not leaps. Things are happening behind the scenes, I think, to, um, you know, consolidate a little bit to to get a a more streamlined look uh, of what they're doing on the NIL front. But I'm glad that the question is there because that is the second piece. Yeah, it it is. You're just responding to different eras of of the the college football landscape and right now in college athletics uh the facilities race that was a huge race and was a huge thing has i'm not saying it's over but it's shifted and so now penn state's wrapping up the loose ends of of projects that need to get done to compete on the facilities front but if the piece of nil is not there that they're it's going to be the same deal. It's going to, it's, it's, the, it's the exact same conversation just about NIL. So improvements, yes, where it needs to be, no, not close. Honestly, not close. So let me ask you this question here in the chat. I think this is a great follow-up. Brian asked this early in the show. Um, where does Penn State facilities for football rank nationally? Um, I think we know that they are not highly ranked, but if where would you say they would rank at the end of of this and does the stadium really even involve football facilities 
stadium's not relevant. Okay. We won't like that's not it's the what what do they use 365 days a year? So if you're asking that, what are the, the facilities that they're in 365 days a year? Uh you're talking about Haluba, Lash, and now Greenberg. Uh getting there, getting there. Are they are they there? No. No, and it's and it's it's not hard, guys. <laughs> like just type type in Google. Uh Kansas State facility renovation, Auburn facility renovation, uh, Wake Forest facility renovation. They're, they're, they're all over the place. Um, it, it's like uh, Xander just said, Oregon. Yeah, Oregon is crazy and sexy and it's a spaceship, right? Like all, yeah. all of that stuff, that's that's fine. You have the flashiest stuff. I think the thing that gets lost sight of when, when it's like, oh, well, how much can Penn State possibly need? It doesn't need to be a spaceship. It doesn't have to be top five, but you got to put yourself in the top 20 yeah. and they're not, they're, they're making progress towards it. The, 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 the weight room expansion and all the things that they did there. That's a great project. That's a, that's a maximized project um, that costs more than it would have if they had done it earlier, but something that they got done. Uh, Haluba hall needs a lot of work. Honestly, it does. Um, Lash second floor needs a lot of work and yeah. is something that is being addressed right now and, and will be addressed, um, you know, shortly, but yeah, it's, it's not, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, like, I can't, I can't sit here and say, oh, well I'd put Penn state at 45th. I don't have that much of a perspective yeah. Yeah, of yeah. what the rest of the college football landscape looks like. I just have enough to say, could I, could I tick off uh, 15 to 20 that, that, have been recently done and appear to be finished and better than what Penn state even has on tap. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, make, make of that what you will, but as, as it gets done, as the weight room is done, as the quarterback lab got done, as Greenberg gets done second floor, like as all that stuff gets done, it's going to bump Penn state up and up and up and up and up. So as long as they end up in that top 15, top 20, I think you can feel comfortable with that, but you have to, you have to do that. And now they're finally making steps in that direction. And, and I think you made a good point of, it doesn't have to be a spaceship, but it has to cover all of the needs of the athlete and be respectable. And if you do that, Penn state's, as we said, Penn state is a top 15 team annually so that should certainly help uh, boost them in any functional capacity to being relevant every year and competitive every year in recruiting. I'm going to say the same thing that I always say, which is if you don't have a shovel in the ground, you're doing it wrong. That is a lot. I will I will admit like that feels like a lot, but you're right. Uh, basketball. Let's talk about some basketball. Nate, how soon will we get a sense of the new basketball coaching staff if they're making progress and steps with the 2024 recruits? or if there's any 2023 left and are there any 2023 leftover recruits that they're pursuing leftover yes. sounds harsh, but like uh, guys that haven't committed already. Yes. So there is a prospect from Iceland who I will not try to pronounce his name, but he, I, I reported this last week. He is on campus. should be leaving actually this morning. Um, he, he's a guy who would be class of 2023. They, they missed, they missed on a few. Um, Brady Dunlap was a guy who ended up going to St. John's, I believe. Uh, Blue Kane ended up at Georgia. So, so there have been 
some some 2023 guys that they were involved with but didn't end up landing. Um, but this Iceland kid is uh, a guy who I think they feel somewhat optimistic about being able to convince uh, to, to play a Penn State. But for the most part, look, this is the end. This is the end of the process. They've got 10 yeah. filled. They need, they need three more. Um, it's, you know, you, you just, you're just trying to complete this process and you never know. There's, there's always stuff that happens um, where, where somebody enters late or somebody gets, um, uh, you know, backs out, whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. the situation is, there, there's, yeah. there's always things that open up sometimes, but uh, for, for the most part, I think that, yeah, 2023 for the most part is is finished they're going to try to get this kid um and then go from there i know that they have a couple of visits or at least one visit maybe two lined up after the dead period uh, mike rhodes said that on the john rostein podcast on monday um did not say who uh and i don't have that yet so stay tuned stick with me um but i'll get you guys some names uh in short order that's always uh, a value add, uh, not a value add. That's a core value of why you're signing up for bluewhiteillustrated.com. CJ Ruger asks, will we sign a QB in this class? Uh, yes, I think that Penn State will definitely sign a quarterback every single year uh, in recruiting. But more specifically to your question here, CJ, is that I, I've said, I said, I think I said this on the show the other day, that I feel like this group of quarterbacks that have emerged here in the spring after this spring evaluation period, having seen them, and I haven't done the full evaluation of their film, I do feel like these are quality prospects, and it feels like the offensive tackle board, where Penn State is in on enough guys that are quality, that I think are future starters and high-quality potential contributors in the future, that they're going to get a guy in the class. And, and some of these guys, I think, are closer to Aller in talent level of, like, physical ability and arm strength than they are the other guys on the roster. So that is a really good sign that they're talking to players that have that level of talent and that they, they showed up and they were interested at this point. There, there's late bloomers that happen in every recruiting cycle. So when, when you get into the three stars of like, ah, oh, why was he not a five star? And look at the recruiting process. The recruiting process starts in like ninth grade. And some guys don't hit 6'3 until they're juniors, or maybe they didn't start until they were later in their career. So I, I think there are guys in this class that they that are, you know, the Elite 11 passing camp is coming to Penn State this weekend uh, to State College. That is a huge win. They're going to be able to talk to guys, see guys um, in person, and maybe even get them on campus for unofficials, things like that. I think it's a huge benefit that they're... Um, they're able to do that this spring, and they found guys already that are interested in the program. I'll do one more quickly for me because we talked about this uh, yesterday on the breaking news about a Davian Collins. Dark Horse Tuesdays, great name on the message board. Is there a big advantage to taking a guy like Collins out of the portal that spent a year in a different program, albeit not playing, over another 24 prospect that the staff really likes, aside from the obvious spending two years in college already. DB seems like a position. They haven't been afraid to put guys very young out on the field. Seems like it was purely a depth move by Franklin and not a guy they would have traditionally targeted. Early on in the portal, Penn State was comfortable targeting guys that they had already recruited. And Adavian Collins, there was no threads connecting the two of them previously. This is something I brought up at the end of the show, uh, the end of the breaking news video yesterday that I think is pretty important. He's used his red shirt. He has four years of eligibility. 
now you don't have to use Elliot Washington on special teams unless he's the best option and you think that's the best option for the program. So that is a side benefit of bringing in a guy that you think can play at Penn State. Like, full stop, Penn State thinks he can play at Penn State or else they would not have recruited him. Um, I haven't done a full, like, deep dive into his high school film as a guy that's in the 2022 class. If you remember, Penn State only got Cam Miller in that class. So... They they missed on corner. This is kind of a do-over where, hey, we just got a 2022 corner, and that sets up a little bit better in terms of eligibility, um, depth, and the, the layering of the roster. All of those are reasons why you wouldn't just take another 24 guy who isn't going to be here until later. So I, I think it's a I think it's a good, smart move for the future after their short-term play in Storm Duck didn't work out. They had both needs on the roster. They needed more cornerbacks of the future. They needed another corner to play this year. Well, Cam Miller apparently is going to fill the this year portion of that, and they still needed a guy for the future. So that's why they took uh, Audavian Collins, in my opinion. You can check out the full conversation with Greg and I, which happened yesterday. I'll put a link here in the video as well. Okay, um, this is purely for you, Nate. I have no idea, and it's even addressed to you. Nate, what's going on oh, with special teams, and how concerned are you with punter and kicker for this fall? You, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to punt on this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, we, we have, uh, we have interviews lined up for a lot of people over the next uh, two or three weeks and Stacy Collins will be one of them. So to sit here and try to tell you something that I don't feel r- real strongly about, I would prefer not to. Okay. Um, it, it'd just be better to, to circle back. So, I mean, if you, if you want to ask in, um, in June sometime. I, I think that at that point I will have had a better conversation with him, can hear it straight from his his mouth. I mean, I, I you know, I would say that through the end of spring practice, one of the the themes was just exactly what you expect, right? It's uh the younger guys may have a little bit more talent. They're just less consistent. The guys that they brought in through the portal uh, have a little less talent, but they are more consistent. So you just, you're, you're weighing that you're trying to find that out. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. It should be, the hope uh, is that those veteran guys are more consistent enough that they're productive at the position, right? That you're not trading off less talent for marginal consistency. I would, I would say, I mean, I, I think what, what you would hope is that the guys who have the most talent find that consistency, right? But if they don't, like if that's what you're, if you're weighing those two, but you have a backstop, right? Yeah. Uh, let's make this the last question. Uh, it's for both of us. And I think that maybe you won't like this question either, but I think this will be a good one to end, uh, end on CJ Philly says, imagine this is the deepest team in terms of top to bottom talent since the late two thousands, which position group do you think will surprise us positively, positively? And on the flip side, which do you think might disappoint slightly next season? I'm going to throw this out here. Quarterback might disappoint you because the position is hard and there's going to be growing pains. We think we know what Drew Aller is going to be, but we don't know that yet. I would like to see what he's good at, where he, uh, you know, what the, the little snippets of, okay, maybe that isn't the thing I'm excited to see him do in terms of maybe his footwork times under pressure. It gets a little wobbly. Is that a consistent problem or is it not a consistent problem? We don't know yet, but just based on percentages, to me, that's the position where Penn State fans have the easiest cliff to fall off of in terms of being disappointed because he's not the guy that is going to 
turn into Trevor Lawrence in his first season. So yeah. that's kind of my that my opening salvo on that question. Do you have a positive one that you would say maybe it will be a little bit better than you expect? <sighs> Quarterback, but I already have. <laughs> I already have. I think I have realistic expectations. I don't think right. they're diminished. I, I just think it's, I think it's, I think it's very obvious what's like going to happen this year, this year, right? Is you need Drew Aller and his wide receivers uh, who don't have an established like star. Can Keandre be that? I think he can, mm-hmm. but it, has he been that in the past? He hasn't really had that opportunity. So it's it's big. It's like there are unknowns there in the passing game that I think defenses are rightfully going to test. Yeah. Right. So any any team that has um, that feels confident in its pass defense going in man coverage, I think is going to be is going to create challenges yep. for Penn State's running game. Like that to me is okay. You, you saw what was Singleton and and Catron did last year, like. They're they're good. They are good, good, legit good. Uh, what happens when there's nine guys who yep. the, right when they don't have numbers when yep. there's when there's not um, when when teams are just going to say, hey, you are not going to beat us. Like Nick, you're not going to run for an 80 yard touchdown on us. It's not going to happen. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure that doesn't happen. I think there there are going to be some some tough games ahead. You, yep. you already saw it. They already had some some of those games last season when that same thing happened. Illinois, uh, just... I believe, is returning a top five defensive line in the country, according to multiple outlets. I mean, that's yep. going to I'm circling that is like that's a bigger game than you might imagine. Totally. I, I, I'm I'm a firm believer, not in Illinois being like awesome, but in yeah. in this just goes. I mean, I'm never going to let this go. In the 21 Illinois loss, not being a bad loss, like not being the the tragic loss that it was made out to be. That was a an okay Illinois team that did the one thing, and and Brett Bielema will continue to do this. Right. They are going to give some teams fits, and if you don't have the elixir, the answer to what they do to you defensively, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. So Michigan it, was a college football playoff team, and they struggled to beat them. Uh, was I? I think that might have been at home too. Where yep. that's just going to be a team that's a tough out. We'll see about their secondary because I think that yep. is the biggest wild card. Of they they send a ton of guys and a ton of talent to the NFL. So can Illinois reload in certain positions? I'm I'm fascinated to find out about that. Which is why, coming back to it, my point about like if Drew Aller struggles in that game where he has to do a little bit more in his third game. I wouldn't be surprised if there are some struggles there and people go, wait a minute. I thought he was a five-star talent. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of a disappointment there from the quarterback, which is not to say it's his fault, but uh, Nate, I got one more thing from the chat because this is important to me that you, uh, you get your, your love on the channel. David says, I didn't realize how much I missed Nate until he finally came back. Nate, I feel the same way. Appreciate you coming back and spending a little extra time talking to us on the BWI live show. We got a we got a super chat that we should take from from Robert here. Do you see this? Ah, here we go. I did not see that. Thank we you. We got we got to recognize the super chat. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for getting that in on the under the wire, and thanks for seeing that, Nate. Uh, who do you expect to help Drew the most? Running backs or wide receivers? Thanks for the long form show. Um, uh, that's a hard question. I would say the running backs. I, I think the threat of the running game is going to open things up and make it easier for the quarterback. And I, I I'm gonna. 
of, of course I'm going to go curveball. I think the offensive line, honestly, like yeah. I think the offensive line will be an asset to him where he's not consistently under duress. And if, and if yeah. you have that and then you have the pieces around you where he can make decisions, like actually make decisions and you yeah. use those instincts and make those throws. I, I think that positions him really well uh, to have success. We, I, I always go back to what are the conditions that a guy has to succeed in. And if the conditions are you're constantly under duress, I don't care who it is. You're just probably not going to do very well. Um, and so that I think is, is a huge piece of this. A huge piece of the show is Nate. Nate, thank you so much for coming on the show. That'll do it for us today. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, all the different things. You got some bonus content today on the live show and on the podcast. We love you guys over on the podcast. Please download, subscribe, all that stuff. I'm Thomas Frankar. He's Nate Bauer. We will talk to you next week. We'll be reviewing the uh, Elite 11 Passing Academy. We might have some special guests. We're doing a bunch of great stuff in the summer here on Blue White Illustrated. So subscribe and don't miss anything. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.